engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's 8 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. Welcome. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Um, on phone calls tonight, bear with me. I want to kind of give you a breakdown of how tomorrow is going to play out, and I'm sure I'll repeat myself tomorrow. However, I do want to be generous with phone calls tonight. If you got a question about the election, uh, feel free to call in, uh, immigration, whatever related to the election, uh, we'll be generous with phone calls tonight if we can. But before I get to phone calls, I got to get to the Stacey Abrams audio and the lay of the land in the election. And Jake Tapper, uh, who continues to be one of the best journalists in the business and one of the fairest journalists in the business, had Stacey Abrams on on Sunday on his show on CNN and pushed her on the gun issue. So is that your current position that law abiding gun owners in Georgia should have to give up those weapons if authorities deem it necessary? In the state of Georgia, you introduced legislation to start conversations. I am happy to work with the legislature to figure out how we make an assault weapons ban work. But what I fundamentally believe is that we have to have common sense gun safety legislation. I am someone who supports the Second Amendment, who knows how to shoot, who knows how to hunt. But I believe that our responsibility is to make certain that the most vulnerable in our society do not face those who are irresponsible with their weapons. AR-15s are not necessary on our streets. Semi-automatic weapons have to be put under a certain level of responsible control. And I believe as the next governor of Georgia, I can work with Democrats and Republicans to come up with common sense gun safety legislation that will allow us to make our families and our community safer. Well, just to be clear, you were one of six co-sponsors of this bill, a House yes. Bill 731 introduced January 11, 2016, not that long Correct. ago. Your co-sponsor told reporters the law, quote, would require gun owners of these particular models to turn their guns in. And again, my, my point is this, the legislation introduced was the beginning of a conversation. I am absolutely certain that with, were we to pass this in Georgia, we would have a conversation about grandfathering in, about whether or not people would turn their, their guns in, whether there would be buybacks. There are a number of approaches to take to accomplish this goal, but the fundamental responsibility is common sense gun safety legislation in Georgia, making sure we get dangerous weapons off the streets and that responsible gun owners stand together to hold those who are irresponsible accountable and we reduce the risk of harm to the rest of Georgia. Well, just to be clear though, I'm just trying to understand. So you, yes. you don't support the actual legislation, you just support having a conversation about it? No, what I've said is, legislation in the state legislature is about starting the conversation. Very few pieces of legislation are introduced and come out the same way they go in. That's the process of making the law. My mission in 2016 was to be a part of the conversation. I believe that we have to ban assault weapons in the state of Georgia. But what I'm saying is, as part of my leadership, I'm going to work across the aisle and we're going to have a conversation about how we accomplish um, I I'm pretty sure that I know how a bill becomes a law in the state and it's you introduce it into the legislature. Um, that's not having a conversation. That's actually considering legislation and her legislation would have actually confiscated weapons from people. 
Um, I, I mean, y'all, this this is legislating 101 is how a bill becomes a law. You don't start a conversation by submitting legislation. You start the process of creating a law by the legislation and the process. I mean, do, do we need to go here? Woof. You sure got to climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the Capitol City. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday. At least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. I mean, the conversations are supposed to happen before the bill gets to Capitol Hill, according to Schoolhouse Rock. So how introducing it is started in a conversation. This was legislation to confiscate guns. It was. Oh, and there's more from Good Morning America today. I would just like to say that this this time change is garbage, and I think I would vote for anyone, Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Libertarian, somebody, if they would just let us like spring forward and stay there on daylight saving time instead of going back to standard time. Because this, this whole getting dark this early after you get off from school, I would rather my kids get up in the dark and go to school in the dark than come home and it be dark and they can't play outside. I want them outside. Nonetheless, okay. Stacey Abrams on Good Morning America this morning. Number one, I believe in the Second Amendment. I know how to shoot a gun, but I believe in responsible gun ownership. And as we've seen in recent weeks, in fact, over the last few years, it is time for us to have common sense gun safety legislation. I support the fact that the federal government needs to take action on immigration. But in the state of Georgia, my responsibility will be to protect all people in our state. On the Second Amendment, you have supported legislation that would call on people to turn in their assault weapons. I've supported legislation that responded to massacres across our country and said that we have to take action on assault weapons. As I said yesterday, and will always say, we want to introduce legislation to start the conversation, but the legislative process often leads to common results where people can work together on how we achieve our goals. I'm open to any conversation that will make our community safer, but I think we have to begin with the fundamental premise that assault weapons do not belong on our street. An AR-15 is not an assault weapon just so you know, and her legislation would have gone after almost all semi-automatic handguns, not just long barrel rifles. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where we are as we head to tomorrow. Now, uh, let me break down the election for you. We had Donald Trump in Georgia yesterday in Macon. I did not go uh, I had a lot of people ask me to go, y'all, I don't like crowds. I, I was the the Grand Marshal at the Cotton Gin Festival in Boswick this weekend. Uh, and thank you guys very much for asking me over there. And it was a lot of people. And I've just, the older I've gotten, the less I like crowds. And, and the Boswick was great. There was uh, a lot of people there, but it was not the tens of thousands of people who showed up to see the president uh, and their 10,000 other best friends. Some people said it was something upwards of 45,000 people surrounding the airport in Macon. That's insane. Too many people. I stayed home and made gumbo. It was the best pot of gumbo I've ever made, by the way. Seriously, I make good gumbo, and this was the best pot of gumbo I have ever made. It's fantastic. You can't have any. It's almost all gone now. I gave it to friends. Um, But I have reviewed the early voting numbers, and the early voting numbers suggest that 
Stacey Abrams has made good on her strategy to turn out new voters and voters who rarely vote. Uh, new voters are breaking records in Georgia. We had about 130,000 early votes in Georgia, and some diligent surveyors went out to find the people who did early voting, and here's what they're saying. They went 8-1 to one for Stacey Abrams over Brian Kemp. 8-1 to one in favor of Abrams over Kemp. That is huge. That is really, really, really a big deal. And the the general only voters, we don't know how they voted. Here's the thing. Um, it Republicans, I've had people call this show over the last year and say, it's okay because Democrats always win early voting. In fact, in 2004 and in 2016, um, the Republicans won early voting. This year, there were 2,181,891 early votes. That includes absentee ballots. If I'm being real generous in the way I break this down and give um, give basically 45% of them to Brian Kemp, the, the I'm, I'm sorry, let me let me run this back through. There are 388,571 general only voters. That means people who only show up for general elections. Now, the data is showing that people like that are breaking roughly 60% for Stacey Abrams. I'm going to be generous there, and, and, and I'm going to do that. I actually think that it may be slightly higher this time. Uh, we'll give Stacey Abrams 100% of the hard Democrats. Uh, there were 651,077 of those. And I'm going to give her 80% of the soft Democrats. Soft Democrats are people who sometimes have to vote in a Republican primary. I'm going to give her 80% of those. Uh, there were 102,709 total who voted. Now, I'm going to give 100% of the hard Republicans to Brian Kemp. That is 627,592 voters. And then there were 201,296 soft Republicans. Those are Republicans who sometimes vote in Democratic primaries. I'm going to be generous with Brian Kemp there, and I'm going to give him uh, 95% of the soft Republicans. Then there are uh, irregular voters, people who frequently do not vote. There were only 33,620 of those who early voted. Uh, the data suggests overwhelmingly about 70% of them went for Stacey Abrams, so that's what I'm going to give her. And then the new voters, 137,676 new voters voted. Uh, and I'm going to give her 60% of those. I'm going to give her 60%. There's a lot of data out there that suggests 80% of them. Uh, are breaking her way. I'm going to give her 60%. I'm going to presume that the Kemp campaign has been able to mobilize rural voters. And then there are swing voters, and I'm going to do 50-50 and split the swing voters, people who go back and forth between Democrat and Republican. So I'll do 50-50. Um, that still, based on the calculations, I've got the spreadsheet open, would essentially give Abrams 1.1 million early votes and 1.06 for Brian Kemp. So 1.12 for Stacey Abrams, 1.06 for Brian Kemp. That means she probably won the early vote. She might not have. I mean, these are all rough estimates, and no one can really say for sure who voted and, until after it's over. We'll know the numbers. But I'm assuming, based on all this, she probably eked out a win in early voting. That's really good for her. But I still think Kemp can win without a runoff, and I want to tell you how. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you struggle putting your kids to bed each night? When you sleep poorly, how does it impact the rest of your day? Well, 
there's a great app to help you get to sleep at night. And I can tell you, we've started using it in our family. Jonathan Last, actually, a friend of mine from the Weekly Standard, recommended this. He and his family have used it for a very long time. Uh, the app is called Calm. We have gotten to the point now where our kids now sleep in separate rooms and our youngest has wanted to sleep with the dog. Our oldest has wanted some sort of sound machine at night. Well, this app Calm, it's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. And if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including sleep stories, which are bedtime tales for grownups designed to quiet your minds and relax your body. They're read by soothing narrators like Clark Peters, from The Wire and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. There are guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep, and there's soothing music and more. For a limited time, the Eric Erickson Show listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash E-R-I-C-K. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that will have you drifting off to dreamland in no time at all. Get started today at calm.com slash Eric, then get to sleep. It's 27 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I think Brian Kemp wins without a runoff. And I'm not a great prognosticator. Y'all know that. So maybe you should be nervous, Um, but it all depends on turnout tomorrow. And I I mean this very, very seriously. Turnout is going to affect the election and people say it all the time. Turnout matters. But normally you kind of know you're going to have a huge Democratic turnout or a huge Republican turnout. We know how big the Democratic turnout is going to be this year. It's going to be record breaking. There are lots of places that have already in early voting cast more votes than they cast in 2014's governor's race total. It's going to be huge. They're looking at 85 to 90% of a presidential turnout, which is unheard of. If Republicans turn out in Georgia the way they should, if they do, then Brian Kemp should win, even if you give 137,000 early new votes to Stacey Abrams completely. Even if you give them to them, remember, Republicans in Georgia historically have a 225,000 vote margin. Even Donald Trump had roughly 200,000 vote margin. Um, So the margin becomes smaller, but it's still something Republicans can offset. Uh, Very notable. I'll explain more when we come back and take your calls. It is 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Okay, let let me give you just a complete breakdown on tomorrow. The rain is going to move in in the morning, as you heard Kurt Mellish say, and there's going to be heavy at times. And so this is my caveat on Kemp. I still think he can win without a runoff. I do. Um, Those of you who are libertarians need to go vote for Kemp, not the hemp guy, uh, to ensure this. Uh, But, but. Abrams could win without a runoff as well. And that's something you need to know. The libertarian isn't really figuring hugely into this. A lot of it is going to be the turnout model. And the Abrams campaign is really working hard. A buddy of mine just texted me. He has a housekeeper and he drove her home because her car is broken. 
it is raining and there are people out knocking on doors for Stacey Abrams right now in his neighborhood. We haven't actually gotten anybody knocking on our door in our neighborhood for any of the candidates. Um, but, and I've also heard that the RNC pulled some money that was going to be used for a door knocking campaign for the campaign. So the, the, nationally, uh, the RNC has not been doing what they wanted to do for targeting people at their homes to, to get out the vote with live people knocking on the door asking them to go vote. It's really going to depend on turnout tomorrow. Kemp can do this. It is going to be very, very close, though. If you put a gun to my head and told me I got a pick, I would say he wins with like 50.5% of the vote. That's enough to eke out a win without a runoff. But it's going to be closer than even Donald Trump won in 2016 because of the Democratic mobilization of new voters and people who haven't voted frequently. Uh, and that's why you got to go vote tomorrow. If you haven't voted, you got to go vote tomorrow. Uh, my wife and I did not do early voting. We decided we would do election day voting. We will be going to vote. I will be voting for Brian Kemp. I will be voting against every single one of the amendments on the ballot. Every single one of them I'm voting no on. Uh, all the propositions, there are a couple like referenda issue as well. I'm voting no on all of them. No on every single last one of them. Uh, we don't need any of it. Vote no on all of it. Sorry, Farm Bureau. I don't understand your fair forest issue. It sounds hokey to me. I'm voting against it. Uh, but I'm voting for Brian Kemp. Uh, and I'm voting for Jeff Duncan. And I'm voting for Brad Raffensperger. And I'm voting for all the other Republican candidates on the ballot. Uh, I will vote straight Republican. And in suburban areas, if the Democrats turn out large, if the Democrats turn out big, you're going to have congressional seats in Georgia in jeopardy. Rob Woodall and Karen Handel. Uh, the Cook Political Index just moved Karen Handel's race into toss-up category. They did so, I'm told by some folks, uh, that it's the, the New York Times-Siena poll. They're running these polls. They're, they're live polls that people can tune in and watch. And that there was some skewing in there They that folks close to Handel say is problematic. Um, I, I tend to think that Cook has a good pulse on things. And I tend to think that if you're seeing a big suburban turnout for Stacey Abrams, it does put seats like Handel and Woodall in dangerous territory. That's not to say they can't win. I, I think in particular that Handel will win, uh, largely because she showed she can put off even John Ossoff. I don't know about Rob Woodall though. Um, the, there is a ton of data now that I have seen that Hispanic voters in Gwinnett County were not heavily engaged in the race until this past week after the president came out against birthright citizenship and a bunch of them decided to head to the polls and be early voters. And that could hurt Rob Woodall. And around the country, we're seeing this. The Democratic strength is intense. That does not mean that a lot of statewide races like Georgia or Ted Cruz in Texas or Greg Abbott in Texas uh, and others, that they're going to go down in flames. It doesn't. What it does mean is that there are house races that are not weighted against the entire population of a state, but are weighted against a suburban or an urban population. And that really does put the House of Representatives at play for the GOP. They're looking at 30 or 40 losses, if not more. I've got a friend of mine running for Texas in a seat that is overwhelmingly Republican. And he said the Democrats are crushing turnout to the extent that they're really worried about turnout tomorrow for the GOP. If the GOP doesn't turn out, he could lose a seat that has been safely Republican for 40 years. And I think it's true. 
Republicans around the country are taking this race for granted, and they shouldn't be. They have got to turn out tomorrow for Brian Kemp to win in Georgia, for Ted Cruz to win in Texas, uh, you name it, because Democrats are turning out guaranteed. The question is how engaged are Republicans? Let's go back to the phones. Um, let's see. Uh, Clay in Canton, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, you know what? There we go, Clay. How are you? Hello. Hi there. Hey, Eric. Um, look, my, my biggest thing is um, what is the biggest deal with the mimosa bill? And, um, I mean, you got Florida. You can buy and drink anytime you want to on Sunday. But, um, I mean, why from 11 as opposed to 1230? What's the big issue? Well, so this is not everybody is going to vote on this issue. I don't believe. I think there are some counties have agreed to vote on on this issue. They're calling it either the mimosa bill or they're calling it the brunch bill. Essentially, restaurateurs want to be able to serve alcohol earlier on Sundays than they have for brunch crowds, uh, particularly in more urban areas. And Georgia has regulated the sale of alcohol on Sunday for the longest time. You couldn't even buy alcohol on Sunday. And uh, now you can, and they're they're playing with the earlier times in the day for the drunk millennials who come out for their brunch while the older people are in church. They want to be able to sell them alcohol too. I understand. I, yeah. I, I guess I just it's just why is it a big deal? You know, like, I I, mean, I, I don't you, know do why it, it you know, is. You're gonna do it. Yeah, I, I don't really know why it is. I, I have I have no objection to it at all. If it's on my ballot, I'm probably going to be voting no because by then I'll be moving fast and just vote no on everything. But I, I really don't care. I mean, it, it's 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 not my my place to tell you not to have a drink at a restaurant at 11:30 on a Sunday. All so, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where I listen. Y'all, sorry. I'm I'm not upset if you want to go to brunch and have a mimosa. I think they're trash drinks, but some of you like them because you have no taste. And who am I to object to your lack of taste? Um, in any event, that's my candid thought on it. I'll take more phone calls when we come back. I continue to say that I don't like this whole early the fallback and i mean i love fallback i i would prefer it if we like fell back on monday mornings and sprung forward every sunday or friday afternoon every week but we don't do that so just pick a time and keep a time there's no reason to still do daylight saving time i'd rather stay on daylight saving time than be back on standard time so we have later afternoons and evenings nonetheless i digress okay when we come back your phone calls I'm going to hijack my own show and I'm going to ask a question because I know I have smart listeners. So I am um, redoing my resurgent website, moving back to WordPress off the Maven platform we've been on, uh, trying to expand it, community component. We've got to fundraise for it, which is another story. But um, we've got a great designer and we're debating uh, the ad blocks. I, I don't think we have to settle for Google ads. I know Amazon now has an advertising platform and there are other advertising platforms out there. Uh, don't call the show, please. Just shoot me an email, eric, E-R-I-C-K, at theresurgent.com. If you've got thoughts on the on advertising, we should consider uh, the embedded ads on the resurgent because 
I'm, I don't see any reason that I need to be stuck with Google ads if there's something you get a better rate of return on. And I just, I, I don't want the, the crap ads, to be honest with you. I really don't. I, I have uh, been very, very uh, active in blocking ads and could probably make way more money off the resurgent if I didn't block all the, the whole um, oh, the, the, you know, the vitamin pills and gold nonsense. I just, I don't want it on the site if I can help it. So anyway, if you got thoughts on that, I would very much appreciate it. Um, really would. When we come back, I want to spend a lot of time on your phone calls in the next time. we got a lot of people on hold 404-872-0750-1800 WSB talk. Uh, there are two things though, immediately after we get back that I want to address with you. One is, uh, an attack on Stacey Abrams. I actually think is very unfair. And two is an attack on Brian Kemp, I think, is deeply unfair. And I will tell you more specifically than I have why I'm voting for Brian Kemp. Eight after the hour, I am Eric Erickson, and this is Atlantis Evening News. Welcome. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Um I, I, I want to start with this and, and please hold the line. I'm gonna spend this hour with your phone calls, but there are a couple of things that I need to say up front this hour. One in response to several requests from people. Uh, that I talk about uh, a piece at The Federalist, uh, good friends of mine there at The Federalist, uh, where they excerpted some of the writings Stacey Abrams did. She writes under a pseudonym. Uh, she writes fiction. And she is an author. And I have avoided this because I personally have a hard time mocking someone for the way they legitimately make money. Uh, Abrams and Kemp both have engaged in the private sector as entrepreneurs. And frankly, for either one of them, it hasn't worked out great. Both of them have had debts and tax liabilities and whatnot, and they've attacked each other on them. Uh, and I thought that the, the Kemp campaign attack on Abrams uh, had a little more legitimacy to it in that she gave her campaign money instead of paying her taxes. I think that's a legitimate attack. But uh, both of them were in business during the economic recession. Uh, it didn't go great for either one of them, and they are having to pay debts. And I'm not going to attack either one of them for being an entrepreneur during hard times and uh, the, the risks and problems that come from that. And I'm not going to attack Stacey Abrams on writing works of fiction, however silly I may think some of it reads or not. Uh, She's a successful author. I think she sold more books than me, so who am I to cast stones at her for doing that? I think there are plenty of things to criticize Stacey Abrams about. I have interviewed every single person who ran for governor, every single one of them. And she was one of the best interviews I did. She's one of the best interviews I conducted uh, across the board this past year of any person, federal or state. Uh, She was very articulate, very humorous, very witty, and very self-deprecating. And I like a politician who can laugh at themselves, and she does. 
Uh, we just disagree politically across the board. I think her policies would be very bad for the state. I think economically she lacks the faith in the free market that I have and that I think has made this country so good. I think she is deeply skeptical of private schools and charter schools and initiatives to get kids out of failing public schools. And she would put our kids at risk, though she thinks she's helping them. I, I have no doubt that she, her, she is well-intentioned. I just think her intentions will actually end badly. Uh, and she doesn't realize that she thinks her policy outcomes would be good. I think they would be very, very bad. I will be voting for Brian Kemp, um, but I don't bear her ill will, uh, and I'm not going to attack her for writing books. Um, and I just, I th- some of the attacks on, on both sides have been so cheap, and that's why where I want to pivot to Brian Kemp. I have heard good friends of mine, and I'm I'm shaming some friends of mine who are going to be mad at me for doing this. Uh, And I'm not going to say names, but I know they're listening. And I got to tell you, it it is, it speaks poorly of the people. Uh, And I do say this and I've told them this. I don't feel like I'm stabbing them in the back by talking about bad about them on radio, even though I'm not using their name. Uh, I've told them to their face that uh, to say Brian Kemp comes across like a country bumpkin, redneck, whatever, uh, that he comes across deeply uneducated because he sounds like he's from the South. I think is as stereotypical, and if he were not white, we would use the word racist to talk about it. Um, and I, I'm really appalled by the people who would vote against Brian Gimp because he sounds too much like a redneck. And I can't tell you the number of people I encounter in Atlanta who say this. Uh, the man has has run successfully businesses. He's a good family man. He has actually been a very good Secretary of State despite the Democratic attacks on him. He's run the office competently. Uh, and to listen to him and say, well, this guy can't be bright because he sounds too Southern, I think is deeply bigoted. I do. Um, I, I don't think those attacks on him are fair at all. And I know people who have voted against him in early voting who are Republican uh, they voted for Stacey Abrams uh, because they think he's he's too much of a Trump guy because Donald Trump supported him. They're still mad at him about that commercial with Jake where he didn't point the gun at the kid, even though people are convinced he did. And they think he just sounds like too much of a good old boy. And, and we're Atlanta. We don't want good old boys. Um, you are contributing to the division in the country as much as you think he is when you take that attitude. So I'm voting for Brian Kemp. Yes, I'm voting for the Republican. And yes, I disagree with Stacey Abrams on her policies and think that uh, she would be harmful to the economy and to school choice and life issues and Second Amendment issues. I'm I'm voting for him on the issues. Uh, But there's another reason here as well. Uh, I know and like Brian Kemp personally. At a personal level, I have always liked Brian Kemp. Uh, When I was on uh, city council in Macon, Georgia, when uh, he got elected, he reached out immediately to start helping me conclude an issue fighting human trafficking in the mid-state that Karen Handel had worked on until she left that office. And we were able to get some policies in place to really crack down on human trafficking issues in middle Georgia. And I have always appreciated his willingness to immediately reach out hands-on before I had a radio show on WSB, just reached out, cared about the issue Um, I will tell you that one of the things that I like about Brian Kemp significantly is that he should not be the nominee. The nominee was not intended to be Brian Kemp. We have in the state party of the Republican Party in Georgia 
had the, this heir apparent attitude for a while, and the Chamber of Commerce and everybody lines up against the candidate, lines up for the candidate, and the candidate's going to be good for big business, but not necessarily for small business. And Kemp comes from a world of small business, and he fought back. And he got the nomination, and he is his own man, and he is the, will be the first Republican. First of all, he'll be, if he's governor, the first Republican governor of Georgia. Uh, no offense intended to Sonny Perdue or Nathan Deal, but they were both Democrats who became Republicans. Brian Kemp has been a Republican. Uh, he was elected as a Republican in a race in the state Senate where people didn't think he could get elected, and he did in Athens. Uh, he's a good, good individual. He is a good man. Uh, I like him. He is, he's, I know tons of politicians and he's one of the more ordinary and normal people. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I just like him. Uh, but the fact that he's not beholden to the usual interests is something that I like. Uh, in Georgia, you tend to get a Chamber of Commerce Republican who says great things to the conservative base and then doesn't deliver on those promises. Once they get elected, they pretend they never made them. And I'm kind of tired of having those sorts of Republicans in power who actually are really good for big business, but not good for small business. One of the headwinds that Brian Kemp is running into running for governor is that we have had a state policy in place, it seems, by Republicans to attract as many Fortune 500 companies and their employees as possible to come here. And people ask me all the time, we had a caller call in several weeks ago and say, in Texas, when people move to Texas, they start voting like Texans. Why is it in Georgia that they keep voting like the liberals they are? Well, because when people move to Texas, by and large, they are voluntarily choosing to move to Texas. When these liberals move to Georgia, they're moving with their Fortune 500 companies because they don't want to try to find a new job in the left-wing hellhole they left. They're coming to Georgia, but they're bringing their values because they don't equate their values with causing their former state to be the collapsed kleptocracy that it is, like New York or Illinois. And... The policies of the Georgia Republicans over the past number of years has been to attract these Fortune 500 companies and now casinos, some of them want, at the expense of small businesses and, and voters in Georgia and, and people who bringing in people who don't have our values. And you're seeing this play out now in this election. And I think it will be a wake up call if Brian Kemp is elected, and I think he will be that Republicans in Georgia have to think differently. Instead of trying to lure Fortune 500 companies to come to the state and grow economically, how about the state of Georgia find ways to make existing Georgia businesses more economically competitive with other companies so that our our Fortune 5000 company can take over and crush a Fortune 100 company through some sweat equity and hard work by getting the government out of the way? And I appreciate his entrepreneurial skill set and bringing that to the office. So that's why I'm voting for Brian Kemp. Uh, I think Stacey Abrams would be terrible for business and private education and school reform and the Second Amendment and all of those things. But I want to be very, very, very clear with all of you. Uh, I do not believe she is a bad person and I do not believe she's the enemy. We agree. We disagree on politics and that's it. And I see no reason to push some of these attacks I've been encouraged to push uh, that are personally against her. We just happen to disagree on politics. Uh, all of us could use to stop looking at the other side as the enemy. And maybe that should tell us politics has become too important in our lives. And that being said, show up tomorrow. Go vote. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you struggle putting your kids to bed each night when you sleep poorly? How does it impact the rest of your day? Well, 
There's a great app to help you get to sleep at night, and I can tell you we've started using it in our family. Jonathan Last, actually, a friend of mine from the Weekly Standard, recommended this. He and his family have used it for a very long time. Uh, the app is called Calm. We have gotten to the point now where our kids now sleep in separate rooms, and our youngest has wanted to sleep with the dog. Our oldest has wanted some sort of sound machine at night. Well, this app, Calm, it's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. And if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including sleep stories, which are bedtime tales for grown-ups designed to quiet your minds and relax your body. They're read by soothing narrators like Clark Peters, from The Wire and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. There are guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep, and there's soothing music and more. For a limited time, the Eric Erickson Show listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash E-R-I-C-K. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that will have you drifting off to dreamland in no time at all. Get started today at calm.com slash Eric, then get to sleep. It is 26 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. To the phones we now go, my friends. Who am I going to first? I'm going to Ben from Atlanta. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, uh, I've heard a lot from political pundits over the past several days that Trump's focus on illegal immigration in the lead up to the midterms is going to alienate suburban women and it's going to cost the GOP a lot of these uh, suburban swing districts in the House. I tend to think that's not necessarily true, but I was wondering what your perspective is on that. I think it is in some, and we've got some data to suggest that Hispanic voters in Gwinnett County, for example, here in Georgia, were not participating highly in early voting until after the president said at the beginning of last week that he was going to get rid of birthright citizenship. And maybe it's coincidence, causation, correlation, you never can tell of these things, but Hispanic voters in Gwinnett County spiked in early voting uh, after that happened. Uh, in some districts, it will hurt, but I think in some districts it will help. Uh, I think the media does have a bias against stuff like this. I, I'm not a fan of the policy myself, but I know there are districts where it will help. Uh, blue-collar districts in the heartland. I do think, though, that there are some districts like Will Hurd down in South Texas. He'll probably still win, but it would make a closer race because of mobilizing some Hispanic voters down there. Um, but it's too soon to tell. I will tell you this. Uh, I keep monitoring tracking polls. These are the non-public polls of the state of play in the race, and they have decidedly drifted to the Democrats in the last 96 to 100 plus hours since Thursday, Friday, uh, there's been a shift in polling towards Democrats. These are not the public ones trying to, to shape the election. They're the private ones trying to make educated guesses about what's happening. And the Democrats suddenly have an advantage they didn't have two weeks ago. It is 39 after the hour. I am going to turn the show over to you guys now. Don't worry. I'm a professional. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Robert in Lawrenceville, you're up next. Welcome. 
How are you doing, Eric? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm kind of going back in your show a little bit. I was listening to Stacey uh, Abrams dance around uh, Jake Tappen's, uh, yeah. uh, Tapper's question about the, the legislation. And I just want your opinion. If by chance she was elected and the legislation got out of committee, do you think the Georgia legislature would pass a bill like that? I no, think it would be and I don't think it would get out of committee. The, the Republicans really aren't in danger of losing the Georgia legislature. Uh, and so no legislation like this could pass. But uh, keep in mind that she'll have, if she were elected, executive powers and executive appointments, and that could shape how guns are processed and handled in the state. Um she could make things more difficult for you to buy a gun in the state of Georgia, even without the legislature. Jason from Norcross, you're next. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, maybe you can talk some sense into me. I just want to tell you why I'm not voting tomorrow. Okay. Um, I'm conflicted. I'm, I'm very angry. Uh, I feel like I was lied to by the president about the declassified FISA docs, unredacted. I have the right to see them, I feel like. And the excuse that I've heard, which I think is not wanting to embarrass a British spy or something, that's the latest one I heard. It's not acceptable to me. And I'll just hang up and listen. All right. Um, Well, Jason, I will tell you that I think that if you want to take your frustrations out on the president and the FISA issue, uh, that maybe save that for a federal election. There are a lot of us who would beg you to go vote tomorrow to save us from having a runoff and having to do this all over again in a month. Um, I, I don't know that I would take it out on, on state level candidates. Uh, your vote will matter tomorrow and the vote for either candidate won't impact the, the FISA issue and the Christopher Steele issue at the federal level in, in the least little bit. Uh, if you want to protest, protest the federal candidates on the ballot. But I, I wouldn't protest state-level candidates for something beyond their control that's not an issue for them that they can't shape one way or the other. Um, but on the other issue, I will tell you, you think you've got the right to review this stuff, uh, but we don't actually know what's there. And, and I, I can hear the frustration in your voice, and you want to be able to see it. Um, but I would also say I would trust the President of the United States and that there is a very good reason why some of this stuff has not come out. My suspicion of why it has not come out is because it would reveal human intelligence information that could put some people in jeopardy. Listen, I think the president wants to get out anything that is exculpatory for him, and I don't believe this information would be damaging to him, which is why he's not holding it. I think it probably has a lot to do with there could be people whose lives might be at risk based on the information. We don't know what's there, but the president clearly wants it out and that it hasn't come out must mean there's a very good reason for it because he could order it if he wanted to and he hasn't. So there's got to be something there and I would trust him on this. You know, I I just, again, I I wouldn't take out on state-level candidates your frustration over the FISA issue when they have zero control over it, zero impact on it, and you're refusing to vote for that issue on that issue in state-level races isn't going to have an impact on the issue. It may make you feel better, but then you're going to be stuck with a month-long runoff as well. Melanie and Conyers, you're next. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. I may, I may be foolish, but my question is, if the president can sign or has to sign every law into action, why is there so much danger of the Democrats taking over the House of Representatives? 
Isn't there a check and balances there? There are checks and balances there. Just keep in mind that any bill to raise revenue must come from the House of Representatives. Uh, and the Democrats are probably going to want to try to get rid of the president's tax cuts. Will they try to shut down the government to do so? The other big issue is that in the House of Representatives, they have investigatory powers against the president. They could essentially grind the executive branch to a halt uh, by investigating Anything and everything the president and anyone in the executive branch tries to do, which could slow down regulatory repeals from the president, uh, it could slow down presidential initiatives, and I mean they, they could really throw a wrench in the works for the president. Now, ultimately, you're right. The the Senate matters when it comes to judges, and the House of Representatives does not matter. Uh, but when right. it comes to spending issues, the House of Representatives matters more than the Senate. And this nation is on the verge of bankruptcy, and as Big spenders as the Republicans have proven to be. The Democrats are even bigger spenders, and the president's going right. to have to work with them. Can they repeal the tax cuts that, that we got into place during this first two years? Well, some of those tax approval? cuts were only temporary. They couldn't make them permanent. And so if the Democrats okay. uh, take back the House of Representatives, they will attempt to block uh, the president making them permanent. The Republicans always presumed that if they could keep the House and the Senate, they'd go back the second time and make them permanent. You had to have a, a whole separate Congress under Senate rules because of the way the finance rules work in the Senate. So that will be off the table completely. The tax cuts will eventually go away if okay. the Democrats take back the House. Okay, well, we'll just pray that they don't. Well, there you go. Melanie, thanks very much. It's going to be really close, and it's not looking good for the GOP in the House. Chris in Charlotte, welcome. Hey, brother, you doing all right tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Hey, I, I wonder, um, my, my question that I have for you, um, you know, I was kind of, um, you know, taken aback about how some of your friends were talking uh, about they, yeah. they voted for Stacey Abrams um, instead of Brian Kemp. You know, my question was, are they real Republicans? But then I kind of heard a, a caller, two callers back that said that he doesn't know if he's going to vote tomorrow. I just have to employ everybody. Y'all got to get out and vote. Look, I, I'm, I'm a black male, young black male, uh, successful. I left the Democrat Party in 2012 because I didn't have, have anywhere else to go. And the GOP was where I found my safe place. So for someone to say that they don't know if they're going to vote tomorrow, the stakes are too high in this election. I don't have anywhere else to go. So the GOP is my safety net. So I urge anyone who's contemplating not voting, please go out and vote for our brothers and sisters who are, are on the ballot tomorrow. Brian Kemp, Karen Handel. I'm here in Charlotte, in liberal blue Charlotte. They're having a field day because nobody is contesting the congressional person in, in Charlotte, but we also have Mark Harrison, District 9, who's trying to do a good yes. job. Yes, I, I hope Mark but, Harris turns yeah. out. Chris, i, I got to let you go there because uh, we we got a commercial break here. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, tribalism takes all forms, including he doesn't sound like me, so I'm not going to vote for him. It's, it's rather disappointing. It is 54 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Back to the phones we go. Isaac Cullen from North Georgia. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan. Thanks. Um, question for you. Uh, I happily voted for Cagle in the um, midterms. Uh, bummed that he didn't win that, but, but you know, proudly voted for Kemp in the early elect, on the early voting over Abrams. Question for you is, do you think the – I was just curious what you thought the reason for the low turnout in, for Republican early voting in North Georgia, specifically Hall County, was. I didn't know if it was a backlash. You know, I, I don't know. And there are people who have said that. And, and to be clear, the, the early voting in Hall County and other parts of North Georgia, it's high. 
but not statistically as high as it could be. Um, okay. And they really need to turn out more. Well, they needed to turn out more than an early voter. They're all going to have to show up tomorrow in the storms, though, uh, to vote. Uh, North Georgia has turned out low, and, and maybe it is. There's just no candidate for them up there now, they think. Um, I think they would be wrong, but nonetheless, uh, that's a lot of the data shows that uh, the Kemp campaign was able to turn out people outside of Atlanta at impressively high rates, but in North Georgia, they could have done a little better than they did. And the Abrams campaign could have as well. People just didn't turn out at the rate everyone else was expecting. Maybe they will on Election Day. You know, another troubling sign for the Kemp campaign should be the number of young voters in Georgia this year. Under 30 voters is four times higher than it was in 2014. Uh, there are a lot of these data points that are deeply troubling uh, to outside observers who think it means that the GOP is going to have a bad night in Georgia. I still think Kemp ekes out a win. I do think it's going to be incredibly close, closer than we have seen. I do not think it's going to take weeks. Uh, a lot of the stories you're you're hearing about voter suppression and lawsuits and whatnot, they're legit news stories. That That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I am saying is that the Democrats have worked very hard to build these stories, to try to cast doubt on the election, to mobilize their voters. And so you've got to turn out tomorrow. These, these stories of discrediting Brian Kemp, it's crazy to me the number of reporters who have had all sorts of hand-wringing about the irresponsibility of talk coming from Republicans, and they bought hook, line, and sinker this idea that uh, Republicans in Georgia are suppressing the black vote, which is simply not true. It is not true that Brian Kemp is trying to keep people from voting. That is flat out not true. All he's doing is following the law, and the Democrats are distorting it. So go vote.